This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership podcast, Leaders on Leadership, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk with leaders of all ages and all stages in life about what it takes to truly pay the price of leadership. And today, I am extremely excited to connect you with our guest today. Her name is Dr. Dieli Pichardo Johansson. And I'll let her correct me when we talk. And Dieli is a former hematologist oncologist. She's a life coach. She's also an Amazon best-selling author. But she prefers to describe herself as an oncologist who, after becoming a cancer survivor, decided, and I quote, life, it's too short. I don't want to make a living fighting death anymore. I'd rather make a living celebrating life. She now specializes in helping professional women make romantic, I love it, and career transitions that they can live the life they really want. Dieli, thank you so much for being our guest today on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And you said my name very well. Oh, thank you so much. And a shout out to our listeners. For those of you that have listened to Madeline Frank before, Dr. Frank, she's the one that introduced me to Dieli. And I like to tee it up and let people know how our paths cross. So it's all about the people you meet and the books you read. Thank you again, Dieli. And I'm going to get started because I want to hear your perspective on the price of leadership. And again, our listeners know that my father talked about four key tenants that you are going to have to be paying to really truly call yourself a leader. And Dieli, the first of them is loneliness. We've all heard the saying, it's lonely at the top, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Could you unpack what loneliness as a leader looks for you and maybe share with us a time where you went through it in your life? Oh, yes. As a life coach, I love a saying that says that people would rather be unhappy than losing their identity. And For me to become a leader as a life coach, and one of the populations I help also are physicians, I had to leave medicine behind. I had to decide I had enough. I want better quality of life. I don't want to make a living fighting death. And that made me lose many friends in a similar way as when I decided to be a happier person many years ago and divorce someone who was making me very unhappy. I lost many friends. People think that change is contagious and they are afraid that in a way that if you make change in your life that makes you happier and better, you are challenging them. They may want to pull you back. They may want to disappear and not be near you because you remind them of the unhappy life they have now. That has been my face with loneliness. 
And most recently, when I left medicine and became a life coach, I started meeting wonderful people. I started making great connections and I lost a huge amount of my former friends and colleagues. I love that you said people fear that change is contagious because in the worlds we're in, even in your medical career before, if they're there seeing you, there's an issue. And typically that means something has to change, either a medical issue or a lifestyle issue. But it is interesting when people will look at you and say, oh, you've changed. You're so right. That means that they don't want to. And they're afraid it will sometime, it will somehow leap on them. I never realized that could be the spur of the sense of loneliness. Excellent. Thank you for that. It's also good to hear that there's always somebody on the other side there to fill that gap with what you're looking for. Thank you for that, Delia. And okay, loneliness now, weariness. How do you combat weariness? Obviously, it must have been very exhausting in the medical profession, but how do you deal with weariness in your current role? We should normalize weariness in a way. We will have good days and bad days. We'll have faces when everything goes our way and we see the fruit of our work and we will have faces, we are really going to feel despair. And the difference between the weariness that practically caused career burnout and had me leave oncology and the weariness that you feel in a leadership role that you are committed to is, am I in the place where I really want to be? Okay, maybe things are not going my way right now. Maybe I'm second guessing myself, but right at this moment, am I exactly where I want to be? That is the way I've been combating weariness. And usually if you can answer that question one day at a time, yes, I believe in this message. Yes, I still believe that what I am working for is worth it and is in alignment with my values. Then that's how you overcome the recurrent weariness of the leadership role. I appreciate you saying we should normalize weariness because if you in your purpose and you're pouring out into people, there is going to be an element of that. But I love that you said if you're in the place it's a good weary versus an exhausted, a frustrated type of weary where you realize there's a difference when you're run down because you know you're in the wrong place and there's not a value congruence. And like you said, there's a good weariness where you at least know you're in a place, but there's a lot of work to do. For people who work out, I compare it to when you are tired after a good workout at the gym, you feel tired and sore, but you feel good. Yes. It's different from having spent your whole day working in a coal mine, <laughs> doing work that is exhausting and hurting your back, lifting heavy things that is pain in a bad way. I love it. Thank you. Next, he talked about loneliness, weariness. He talked about abandonment. And when he talked about abandonment in The Price of Leadership, he referred to it as stop doing the things that you shouldn't do. Almost a hyper-focus. You need to abandon all the things that aren't truly getting you to the place that you say you want to be. And this is a tough one for us, especially as women, because we like to be all things to all people. Can you share with us how you really hone your sense of abandonment, especially since you abandoned, like me, past careers, past relationships, and moved on to the next? Can you walk us through that or give us some advisement on that? Yeah, I remember when you and I had the first talk, I think that's the way I say, I have a little objection with that one. <laughs> but I see what you mean. In my case, my change came from abandoning things that the world was telling me I was supposed to want, but were not in connection with what I really felt my mission in life was, what I really wanted to do. I see this abandonment as something more pleasurable, perhaps, 
and is connecting with your true voice and figuring out what are the things that are really important to me. You can prioritize and learn to say no. And parenthesis, that is going to include recharging your batteries. That was the other tweak I have to that, doing things that bring you happiness, expressing your creativity, having a hobby that recharges you, that is not connected with your cause of leadership is also very important because you cannot give what you don't have. And in my case, I'm teaching people to be happier, to live life with passion, to love, to reinvent themselves and find what they love. And I have to be an example of that day by day. I love it. Isn't it wonderful when you're working with people too? You talked about their true voice. When you're listening to so much and for so much of our lives, we pretend, we pick up other masks or we drift or we're not our authentic selves. But then when you really truly abandon it, it's almost this huge relief because it's there all along. We just have to peel off all the other things that we have somehow put on ourselves and unfold that true voice that you said. Yes, and that difference between what I really want versus what the world is telling me I'm supposed to want, that makes a big difference. Absolutely. That's a secret to your unique purpose for being on this planet. I love that. And the last point he talked about was vision. And for vision, he said vision is really nothing more than seeing what needs to be done, but then also going out and doing it. What had a very practical, tactical aspect to it. Can you share with us how you craft your vision and how that drives you forward? That was probably my favorite because the biggest transition I had to make from physician to life coach was to understand that I'm not here to prescribe. So I come to the client-coach relationship with a vision of what I think would make this person happy and is worthless if it's not what they envision would make them happy. My biggest role as a leader, as a life coach, is to help people find their own definition of their vision and what they want. Sometimes I help them raise the bar. Maybe they have a very low bar and I remind them that there are other things. I help them elevate their mindset so they can see options that were previously invisible to their eyes. And I help them reconnect with that true voice, separating it from the noise. But in ultimately, as my leadership as a life coach is to help people figure out what their own vision is. Do you have somebody help you figure out your vision too? It has had coaches. Right now I have a coach that is helping me with my business vision. And she's really challenging me in many ways. I love it. Hey, can you unpack that for us? Tell us about what's next for what you're doing. Because I think it's great that you're pouring into other people, but we have to always realize we have to have somebody pouring us too, into us too. So can you tell me some of your thoughts about what that looks like for what's next for you? Precisely because I refuse to repeat the story of burnout in medicine, I had been until now very limited to a very exclusive one-on-one practice and refusing to get too busy. And this coach is helping me break to the next level, not only see one-on-one clients, but also have groups and courses and expand my message. If I want to touch more people and I want to grow also regarding my income, I need to break that glass ceiling and start speaking to a larger audience. I love that. Okay. Tell me, Daly, where do you speak? Do you have anything coming up? I know we're going to have your contact information, your website and all of that around. Do you get out and speak? Yes. I've spoken in the community a few times. The next time I'm due a group of 
Support Group for Female Physicians is inviting me to speak in April. The last time was a group of breast cancer survivors. I'm a breast cancer survivor. And I have been exploring the uh, keynote speaking, but little by little, mostly as a way to give back to the community. Okay. We talked about loneliness, weariness, abandonment, and vision. And I appreciate your input on that. Is there anything else regarding the price of leadership that we haven't touched on that you would like to share with the listeners? A couple of things come to mind, but I think the most important would be to be intentional. That every moment when you're going to speak to someone or take a step to know what your intention is and why you're doing it. That comes in my case that it's very important for me to differentiate. Am I here to help this person or to be liked? They may not like like something I need to tell them but I am not here to be liked right now. Usually I'm a very loving coach who is very soft, but sometimes I have to push a little bit in that direction. Sometimes is, am I connecting with this person? Do I have a message for this person or do they have a message for me? Is my intention to learn from this person right now or to give to them and have them learn from me? At every step, you ask the question, what's my intention now? Tell me about your ideal client and if our listeners are thinking about this. And also, I noticed some of the books on Amazon, you talk about the romance aspect of it. So can you unpack that for our listeners here? When I first started being a life coach, I was a little on strike against medicine. I did not want to call myself a life coach for physicians. And most of my clients were women transitioning after divorce and heartbreak. I have a very interesting story myself. I was a divorced mother of four kids, including a kid with special needs who had never dated in my life. And nobody thought I was ever going to find a husband. And I ended up finding my soulmate. We're happily married. We've been together now for 11 years. And he's become a stepfather for my four children, despite the fact that he never had biological kids himself. That success story that it was inspiring women, okay, you can find love after divorce. Divorce could be something good that happens to you and not the end of your life. That's where my initial interest was and where my first clients came from. But because I'm a physician and they knew me that way, I started having more and more physician clients. And that has specializing now also in helping physicians make career, either career transitions, job transitions or to be happy where they are. In the meantime, it's time to retire or to change. In summary, my ideal client is usually a woman. In that, I call her a fully grown-up woman, especially because the middle age shouldn't be about war, but the world feels insulted when you call the middle age. In that moment when we are finally ready to start listening to our voice and not to the world. We already ter- finished our milestones. Maybe we already decided to have children or not. We finished our career, but now it's time to listen to our true voice. And that varies, but usually starts as early as the mid to late 30s and as late as the mid to late 50s, depending, according to Young, depending on whether your parents are alive for longer or not, our midlife decisions and changes can be anywhere in that age range. So my Ideal client is a woman in this age range, usually very smart, highly educated, who is now, because of a life transition, divorce, burnout, a breast cancer diagnosis, empty nesting, is now for the first time in a while asking, what do I want? How do I want my life to look like? 
and listening to her voice and not the voice of the world. Oh, Daly, that's absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And to our listeners out there in the show notes, we are going to have all the contact information, even her calendar links, so you can set up and get in touch with her and stay in touch with her. What is the best way to connect with you? Is it LinkedIn? Is it social media, your website? How do you prefer to be contacted? I, nothing beats booking an appointment. My calendar link is there face-to-face. There's so much more that can happen in, especially checking for feed, checking for chemistry, checking for common ideals and common values. There's so much that is better done in a quick talk than trying to engage. But if that's, if there is someone wants to check and exchange ideas before getting there, email is always better. I love it. Daly, thank you so much for sharing your story on what it takes to pay the price of leadership, for your courage to find your true calling, for sharing all the things that you've gone through. And now you're just desire to help other women walk along the way and give back to your community. Thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure to share some ideas here today. Likewise. And to our tremendous listeners out there, thank you so much for being a part of our tremendous tribe. And remember, if you like what you heard, please be sure and hit the subscribe button, share this, and we'd be honored if you would leave us a five-star review. Be sure and reach out to DLE too. You're going to want to stay in touch with her. And to our listeners out there, you have a tremendous rest of your day. Thank you so much for paying the price of leadership. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.